I'm going to take a moment and read the Christmas story as found in Luke's Gospel. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. It'll be Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. If you have your Bibles, please follow along. If you have a smartphone, you can always go to either the U version of the Bible app or to BibleGateway.com is a great way to get the text and choose the different versions. We're told that in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each one to their own town. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was in the house and the lineage of David. He went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, for she was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her first son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end. It was Christmas Eve, and we had a beautiful worship service. We had all the choir was singing, the chimes, the cross was up in front of us. We spent time with our family. Everything was great. And now the Cushing household was quiet. So what were we going to do? Regina turned to me and said, well, it's time for National Lampoon's Christmas vacation. And yes, indeed, we sat and we watched my wife's favorite movie. Now, it's a tie probably between that and Groundhog Day, but she also likes planes, trains, and automobiles, so anyhow, we got one of the big three in. Every year, it's a tradition in our home, as are some other Christmas movies. Do we have Christmas movie fans out here? Okay, just give me some of your favorites, and you can't name National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. What are some others? We It's a Wonderful Life. Clarence the Angel, I know. Christmas Story, I've even been to the Christmas Story house. Muppet Christmas Carol is amazing. I have been singing the songs all December. Love the soundtrack. Anybody else? One more. Elf. Well, this morning, we're only going to talk about the birth of Jesus and Sparky Griswold. Because you see, Sparky Griswold decided what did he want to create. Do we remember? If we've seen, how many, who has not seen the movie? Okay, everyone's seen it. Who does not like the movie? You, okay, we have one. Who does like the movie? It helps if you like the movie for t- this morning's message. Because as you know, Sparky Griswold wanted to create the perfect Christmas. Therefore, he goes out and with his family, they cut the natural tree, which of course doesn't end up being very good, decorates with 25,000 lights, only to have the lights not turn on. And of course, he can't wait for his Christmas bonus for his family Christmas gift, but of course, he doesn't get the bonus. What he gets is Jelly of the Month Club. Yes, he tries to create the perfect Christmas, but he can't. And therein lies the mystery of life. When we try to create the perfect thing, we cannot do it. And if we try to do it, folks, we miss the entire message of Christmas. Christmas is not about you and me becoming perfect and doing something to deserve God's grace or doing something to earn something. It is, in fact, the perfect Christmas and the perfect gift because it is not based on us at all. Amen? There's nothing about you and me that deserves God's grace. 
God just loves us. That's an amazing thing for us to understand because when things are going well in our life, maybe we feel like we deserve to be loved, but at those moments where we are struggling, isn't it a gift to know that God's love is just there completely for you and for me and for everyone? That's what Christmas is about. That's what the Christmas face is about. It's about God's unconditional love for every human being. So right that night, 2,000 years ago, when God came into this world, we start to understand why Christmas is so powerful and why the Christian faith is so powerful. Why a relationship with Jesus is the most important thing that we can build in our lives. You see, it's not about a Christmas or a party or a holiday. It's about a relationship with the one who loves us, who understands that in our lives we can feel alone, we can feel as if things don't matter, but in reality, when we stop and we reflect, we remember that God's love is absolutely unconditional. He chose to come into this world. He chose to provide forgiveness for our sins. He chose to work in our lives so that our lives can be transformed. And he chose to work in our lives so that the Holy Spirit stays with us no matter what we go through. But like in the first Christmas, the story that I read moments ago, in order for that to happen in our lives, in order for us to understand why that first Christmas was so perfect and why God's love is amazing and beyond anything else we can comprehend, we've got to begin with our powerlessness. Americans think that we have control over everything all the while we have control over nothing. There's so many things that we just think that we can manipulate and we can do our way. I remember... Years ago, when I first became a pastor in New England, I asked Bishop Bayshore, the bishop at the time that was the one who I was serving under, and I said, I grew up in North Dakota where we understood that we had no control over the weather. And when we came together in worship, we always at least knew that the farmers wanted my dad, the pastor, to pray for the rain to come or pray for the rain to stop or pray for the crops to do better. Because we understood that we needed God. I said, how do I explain God to a bunch of New Englanders who think they have control over everything? And over the years, I have noticed that we no longer think that way. If our pandemic, if the economy changes, 2008 certainly did a lot to help people understand our powerlessness. But over the years, I've realized that people, by and large in our society, no longer think that they have control. Well, that's also where our message comes and why Christmas, and why that gift of Jesus was so important, because it begins with our powerlessness. We see the same thing with Mary and Joseph, as we read in verses 1 through 3. In those days, this decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town. Yes, 27 years earlier, before the birth of Jesus, a guy named Augustus, had defeated his enemies, and he'd unified as Caesar Augustus became the Caesar, and he unified the Roman government, but he also unified his power, and he wanted everybody to know that he was in control. And think of the people living in this little country of Israel, Palestine, down in near the Dead Sea, by the Sea of Galilee, east of the Mediterranean, occupied by a horribly large 
powerful country that let people know no matter what that they were in control and the people of Israel were not. Therefore, we learn things like he declared Julius Caesar to be a god. And he declared himself as Caesar to be the son of God. He was the emperor, he said, of peace. And therefore, a huge statue was erected of him. So that anyone who would come by it would say, wow, the Roman government has power and there's nothing I can do about it. And first century Jews like Mary and Joseph knew that they were powerless. They knew there was nothing they could do. People always ask the question, my nephew called me up and he said, why in the world did Joseph put a pregnant woman on a donkey and ride that night? Only one thing would cause somebody to do that. Fear of a government. That if they told me I had to do it, I had to do it. And so Mary and Joseph and all of the people who were gathered in Bethlehem, the shepherds out on the hillside, everyone understood that they were powerless. Again, that's one of the things I love as I watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I know my wife watches it because she thinks it's hilarious. I always try to look for deeper meanings in things. One day she said to me, do you just think about sermon illustrations constantly as you go through life? And I say, is there any other way to live life than to think about sermon illustrations everywhere? Well, here's what happens. Sparky is learning his powerlessness. If you watch it from that perspective, you start realizing that there's actually something that's quite redeeming about some of those funny moments in the movie. Yes, his Christmas lights won't turn on. Yes, his large bonus only turns out to be the Jelly of the Month Club. Thinking he has control only makes matters worse, but that's the same thing in our life. As soon as you and I think that we have control and we start manipulating other people and manipulating situations and thinking that we can do it our way and other people have to do it our way, it doesn't make life better, it makes life worse. We get ourselves full of frustration and anxiety. That's why we're starting the new year with a simple message of just take a breath and realize God's in control. Let's talk about what Sabbath is. Let's talk about what it means to trust that God's in control. Let's trust and realize that, no, we don't have control over a lot of things, and we don't need to have control over everything in life. As long as we have faith in a God who's loving and caring, as long as we know that God created this world and God has a plan and a purpose for everything, I remember the day I was sitting in my office and I was stressing over the finances of the church, and a good friend of mine turned to me and said, you care far too much about this. I said, what do you mean? And she said, whose church is it anyhow? I said, well, it's not Stan's church. She said, no, whose church is it? I said, it's Christ's church. She said, do you think Jesus cares about his church? I said, yes. She said, then what are you worrying about? Whose life is it anyhow? It's Christ's life living in you. Whose family is it? Yes, it's our family, but it's Christ's family. All the things that we worry about and we stress over and we get ourselves preoccupied with were the same kind of things that happened in the first century. Thinking we have control makes it worse, and that's why we celebrate Christmas. A time where a young couple acknowledged that they had no power over this Roman government and so they were going to accept things, whether they liked them or not, because they were powerless and somehow they were going to trust in God. We find it right in the Annunciation to Mary, this young woman who is told, you're going to bear a child. 
And she says, how in the world can that happen? Like, I'm single. I'm not married. Holy Spirit's going to come on you, and this is going to be a miraculous birth. Mary, understanding powerlessness, understanding what it means to be a person of faith, says these words in Luke 137, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That's what Christmas is about. It's about our acknowledging that God is in control. We are powerless, and we can live by faith. We can choose to put Christ in the throne of our lives because having acknowledged our powerlessness, we start discovering that God has a purpose. Isn't that amazing? Every single day of our life, God has a purpose. We have a bad day, God has a purpose in that. We have an argument with somebody. God has a purpose to bring something good. That's what the Bible teaches. It doesn't say that God causes things to happen. It says something way more profound. It says God has a purpose even when bad things happen to do God's purpose through everything. Amen? That is amazing. We have Joseph, and he gets sold into Egypt, and his brothers think that they're there just to get rid of an annoying brother. I've often said, no matter how bad things got in my family, I was the youngest of five. I know I could be aggravating, but... My brothers never wanted to sell me into slavery until my brother was worshiping with us one time, and he heard me say that, and he spoke up and said, well, I might have considered that a time or two if I thought about it. <laughs> he goes to Egypt. He becomes powerful in Egypt. The brothers come along, and they say, how in the world can we face you now that you're in power and you're in control? Joseph utters amazing words. He said, you intended this for harm, but God brought good out of it. Hear that? You intended this to be awful, but God is so powerful, even when you choose to do something that hurts someone else, God can bring good out of it. And those brothers had to acknowledge the sovereignty of God. The Apostle Paul says the same thing in Romans 8. In everything, God works together for good. Not that God causes bad things to happen so that good can come out, but no matter what happens, God brings good out of everything, which is why once we can acknowledge our powerlessness, we can understand God's purpose. That's why we read in verse 4, Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Now, King Herod isn't studying the Old Testament and thinking about how can I create events and, and work with the Roman government to make things happen in such a way that Old Testament prophecy is being fulfilled. But the truth is that 700 years earlier, it was predicted that a Messiah would come from that little town. Do you hear that? 700 years earlier, it was predicted by Micah that out of this little town, a great ruler would come. The Messiah was to be a ruler in the line of King David, and he was to come from the town of Bethlehem. And now this weird census, and they would take these from time to time in the ancient world, where they'd create a census, and how would they find out who was around? They'd send everybody back to their hometown, and wherever your town of lineage was, you'd show up there and you'd have to register. And so this very great disrupting event takes place. But that very thing that caused great disruption in the first century, 
That thing that made everyone uncomfortable and said, I can't believe I've got to do this. What an annoying thing. It's worse than putting on a face mask that they're going to ask me to do 2,000 years from now. Like, I don't just have to do that. I have to travel on a donkey for hundreds of miles. Get the point? We face things that we don't like, we don't know, we don't understand, make us uncomfortable, make us frustrated. And all the while, God has a purpose, even in that stuff, to bring something out of it. So what Augustus intended for himself, God used for a higher purpose. Isn't that the key to life, to understanding that? Once we can get to our powerlessness and God's purpose in things, we can start feeling better about life. Because no matter what happens and no matter how much we may not like certain things in our life, once we can see that God does something great out of even the stuff we don't like, we're able to get through no matter what comes our way. It doesn't mean, again, that we like the things. I think of the time that I was out in front of my house in our last church and I was mowing the yard and I was thinking about a funeral that I had to do for a baby that had barely breathed an hour and passed away. Two moms from our church that night had gone in to have children. We thought both of them were going to be born normal. And one of them had their child die within hours. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter how long I've been a pastor. There's no answers for that. There's no way to deal with that. What do you do? What do you explain to somebody? I was out in front of the yard, and I was mowing the grass, just thinking about it, and a car stopped, and a woman got out of the car, and it was somebody from our church. She said, Pastor Stan, you don't know this about me, but I'd like to share something. I lost two babies in my life. I said, I never knew that. She said, it makes no sense whatsoever, but the one thing I've learned is I can reach out to other moms who've lost a child. Could you give me the number? And I'd like to make a phone call. I have no other answer for how in the world we get through tough things other than realizing that that mom was right. There's nothing that makes sense of the loss of her children, but God can still help her comfort other people, amen? That's all we can do. Because God's purpose is to somehow work through these tragedies of life and these difficult things of life, whether they're things of our own making or whether they're things that we just can't understand why they happen. Even Sparky Griswold learns that. (laughs) He has his own major disaster. As his cousin, what's his cousin's name? Eddie. Eddie decides to do something that only Eddie can do. He goes and he kidnaps Sparky's boss. At which point, as you've seen the movie, of course, everything goes wrong, and you assume, well, the movie's going to end with everybody in prison, but instead, of course, the boss comes to his senses. The only thing that makes sense, I'm sorry, i got to grab some water here. The only thing that makes sense in the midst of things going wrong is realizing that a higher purpose can happen. Even Eddie's behavior can allow a boss to reflect on his life and to realize he needs to change. Do you hear the message? It's the same thing that happens over and over in life. Even when things go wrong, even when things are a mess, the one thing that we can discover is that God's purposes are higher yet. 
And so we begin with our powerlessness and God's purpose. And it brings us to the final thing. We need to learn in our lives, and we learn from Christmas. And it's what matters. What matters? What matters in your life and what matters in my life? In verse 7, we're told that Mary gave birth to a firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. As I reflect on that first Christmas, and I think of all the things that transpired, you know at the end of the day, the only thing that Mary and Joseph would have said? I have a healthy baby. I have a healthy baby. We were singing, the cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, and the congregation here sang, and little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. And I was standing at the back of the sanctuary, and I turned to the people who were at the back of the sanctuary, and what did I say? And little Lord Jesus screamed his head off. Because <clears throat> that's what happens when cattle are lowing and they wake up a crying baby. You see, that baby was a healthy baby. It was a child that was born to Mary and Joseph, and at the moment in which Mary is holding the baby, nothing else matters. Because once we can acknowledge our powerlessness and God's purpose in things, we can start seeing what matters. Because here's the problem we have in our lives. We focus on so many things that do not matter in our lives, and we get preoccupied with them, and we get worked up about them, and we make them more important than they are. Amen? And Christmas is about stopping and realizing what matters. God's love is far-reaching. He cares about you and he cares about me. We're here and we can celebrate together and we have our family and we have our friends and most importantly, we have our faith. Mary and Joseph find themselves in a barn. The baby doesn't have a crib to lie in. He's put in a feeding trough, a manger. There's animals all around. What's the result? The Savior of the world is born. What's the result of God's working through our messed up situations? God does what we can't even understand. Luke says that the shepherds rejoiced and Mary pondered. She thought about it and she thought, how in the world can all of these things take place? How can God be so good and so faithful to give me, Mary, this child, this Savior of this world? Joseph looks at it all and says, how in the world can God bring out of this messed up situation something so amazing that I have this child to raise. Are we able to see that in our lives? Are we able to take a step back, not just at Christmas, but throughout our life and figure out what really matters? Because I watch our society and I watch the way people live, and a lot of times what messes us up is not the things that happen, but our false priorities in which we focus on the wrong things. And we make that which isn't important important, and we miss the stuff that's important right in front of us constantly. And Christmas and the story of the birth of Jesus is about learning what matters, which is why my friend Sparky Clark Griswold says at the end of the movie, kids, remember, all that matters tonight is not turkeys or bonuses or trees. It's about having a family that loves each other and cares about each other. It's about celebrating what Christmas is about. You see, in our lives, the Christmas story gets lived out, not just at Christmas, but over and over again. 
Because we go through those times when we have to acknowledge our powerlessness and the fact that God has a purpose greater than anything that we can face. And even in the worst situations of life, as with that young couple in the first century, God's purposes are not going to be thwarted and God is going to work through every situation. But it comes down to our realizing what matters. And that's our question as we end this year. What matters in your life? What matters to us? Do we acknowledge that our relationship with God has to be first and foremost in our lives? And do we value the relationship that God has given to us? And do we work on building that relationship deeper so that we become more loving and grace-filled and forgiving and understanding with the others? Or are we preoccupied, like Sparky Griswold, with trying to create the perfect, you name it, Christmas, family event, career? We try to do that all the time. People go through life and are frustrated because they keep trying to create something that's elusive that we will never have. We compare ourselves to others. We spend money that we don't have to buy things we can't afford, to impress people that don't matter. In times like this, we come together at Christmas and we pause and we think of that young couple who didn't have anything go the way that they wanted. They were in a government that they were occupied and they had no control over anything. They got on a donkey and rode down a difficult road and went right down into Bethlehem. And that night, Mary gave birth to a child. They must have questioned how in the world did God let this happen to us? We just live faithfully. We're just trying to do the best that we can. But then they paused and they realized that the important thing was not to have life go the way they wanted it to go or have everything the way that they wanted it to be, but rather to trust in God and that God had a higher purpose in everything. And that night, Mary and Joseph and the world accepted and realized what we're invited to realize today and every day of our life. And it's ultimately what matters. If you've never trusted in Christ personally, not corporately, personally. Realize that he is your savior because he died for you and gave his life for you. What better time to do it than at Christmas? To acknowledge that God's love isn't just something we talk about. It's a personal thing that comes to each and every one of us so that all the stuff in this life that we get ourselves preoccupied with All of the craziness and difficulties and chaos that's going to be out there, and we cannot solve it by coming together for a worship service, but acknowledging that we can trust in the one who gave his life for us, who cares about us deeper than we even care about ourselves. Help us to realize that no matter what we face in life, God can and will get us through and will help us see what really, truly matters in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christmas, for a time to acknowledge things that truly matter and get away from the things that so often preoccupy us and become too important. We thank you for an opportunity to be together, to ponder what happened that night that our Savior was born, and to realize the way in our lives that you wish to continue to help us trust in you more and know that you have a plan and a purpose even for the things that make no sense. At times when we're frustrated and we wonder, how can this happen to me? Help us to think of Mary and Joseph. Help us think of the words of Mary. I'm a servant of the Lord. I trust in you. Help us in our lives to trust in you for everything. In Christ's name we pray. 
Amen.